0: From RTE Radio, I'm Neil O'Shearadon. This is Playback Daily. Don't worry, everybody. Everything's going to be fine. What what about
1: weeing on them, Ken?
0: No,
2: it's not true. It's not true. I've seen people do it, actually. It's a a wonderful thing to watch. (laughs) I put my CV in and I'm
3: just waiting (laughs) for the call. So uh, I know that there'll be questions. They'll go, after the panel, you disappeared for 17 years. And I've got to go. I went travelling.
0: Coming up on this edition of Playback Daily, when Ryan leaves the studio... Who gets the coffee table? Should we be worried about all those jellyfish floating ominously in our direction? And Dara O'Brien comes clean about those late, late rumours. That's all on the way over the next hour of the radio catch-up show that's been keeping its Friday nights free for nothing all this time. The musings on the news, or newsings, if you will, on this morning's Ryan Tuberty show began with Ryan feeling a little overwhelmed as his final late, late show looms large. I'm not. I'm not sure how I'm going to get back to everybody, but
4: thank you, uh, so so much. Even my sister rang me today, uh, Judith, this morning, and she said, "What's going on? Where, where where's all this positivity coming from?" I said, "I don't know, Judith. It's it it hasn't always been there, but it, you know what? When it's here, it feels good, and it's a lovely glow." And we had a lovely, a really lovely afternoon in Orsonutheron yesterday with President Higgins, and his wonderful team of people who greeted us, and my great team of people. Uh, when we went to get together to to have our final interview in the capacity as host i mean i should say just in case because i think some people are kind of missing the point a little bit that the radio show does uh is going nowhere i'm going nowhere this is um, this is my anchor here and i love it um so don't don't worry not that don't worry <laughs> don't worry everybody everything's going to be fine no but i just know some people have been saying so so um is he leaving the uh, radio no not at all anyway that side of the way back to the arse. we had And again, bathed in glorious sunshine, uh, President Higgins in flying form, as I said to him at one point, your power of recall and for figures and numbers and facts and stories is really quite something. Um, So we'll bring that interview to you this evening. And he'll have to say a lot of of reflections on his time in office uh, and his thoughts on some of the people he meets and he uh, gave me a copy of this, this letter. Uh, not gave me a copy, I was reading it and holding a letter that he got from President Biden, which was a a, a condolence letter on the passing of the presidential dog, uh, Broad. And it was a lovely, heartfelt letter. You'll see it later on. I'll I'll, 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 put, it, I'll put it up on Instagram and you'll see it on the interview uh, this evening. Real nice, nice thought. And Mishnach is still is still there. We met Mishnok because we went out and got a tour. The president gave us a tour of the garden, the beautiful gardens and... Some of the sculptures there, which was really quite something. So really, we, we were blessed with the weather, as we always are any time we go up there. And again, uh, with, the, with the president's time and insight. And like I say, you'll see that later on. We have a big, big night planned tonight. I think I know pretty much everything that's happening. Um, they just said there's a bit of business here and a bit of business there, which is code for we're not telling you. So we'll see. Uh, but uh, there's going to be some lovely reunions. We're going to meet some people I have I have admired and loved to meet down through the years. And, you know, we had our kind of international fun with Ed Sheeran and Michael Bublé and Hillary Clinton and Noel Gallagher in recent weeks. So, so I think we're going to shop local this week and bring in all our friends that we've known and, and have a sort of a, a kitchen party. Does that make sense? It's kind of like, you know, where all the good stuff happens. <laughs> so that's happening and uh, I look forward to your company uh,
0: this evening. Among the well-wishers, though, are some people who have nowhere to put their coffee mugs and they seem to believe that Ryan is the guy that can help them out.
4: A lot of people starting to, you know, pick away at the furniture and saying, can I have that? Can I have that? I mean, it's quite remarkable. <laughs> can I? Coffee table's lovely, thank you. Can I have it? No, what? It's, 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 it's a set, like, it's not my house. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not dead. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's Marcella's. To do. Marcella Pared, our amazing set designer and her team. Um, are, are you know they, they, they make it all those, those things happen and appear but there is a nice story from Martin Caffrey he says he, he said I married my wife Brenda in August 1975 and when we soon after established our own home one of the first items we purchased was an oval shaped glass topped coffee table we were both very proud of it and it was beautiful but alas some four years later it was smashed accidentally with a baby bottle just being placed on it some of the glass bottles those old days uh, once upon a time now when we saw a coffee table exactly the same on your set we constantly admire it and my wife wishes that she had it. My request is, should there be a redecoration of the set next season, which I'm sure there will be, and if it's within your ability, is there a chance that we could have it for our home? Well, you know, fair play for you, to you for the, for the chutzpah of asking for it. Uh, but I mean, it's not in my gift, unfortunately. Uh, but but I wish you well, Martin and Brenda. Doris Heffernan says, Every night I watch The Lay late, late and we have the same remarks between our family. It, with, it starts with one of my children saying, Isn't that the coffee table that we had years ago. And we're 52 years married. And when we were beginning to furnish our first home, which we bought before we were married, we furnished and decorated our sitting room and got a coffee table exactly like your one. And we did it for a few years. And then in that time, we had to replace the glass twice. And during that time, family was growing, three children. We said, we better get rid of it for safety reasons. So every night, every Friday night, I should say, the conversation starts with text arriving to tell us that you have our coffee table. And my husband had told him years ago, he gave it to RTE. It's a nice memory. But thanks to you, our coffee table lives on. Who knew when the coffee table is sitting there and sparks such discussion? Oh, here's another one. Mary Hewitt, while you're at it. Question. Uh, coffee Table on your late late. Do you know where it came from? We think it was our coffee table in our Oh no now you think you own it. Amazing. So you don't not only just want it, you want it back. That's amazing. We think it's our coffee table. Wish you every success, Health was the next shop.
0: Honestly, the bare faced entitlement of these people. Meanwhile, back in the world of actual newsings, Coldplay paid a
4: tribute to Tina Turner. They did a proud Mary performance in their at their gig in Barcelona. Shall we have a little little flavour of it? start off so well but it, it got there I think eventually and funny enough not unlike the Late Late Show audience the Coldplay audience can't clap in time either which is something that I've noticed uh, and, and joke about with the audience they absolutely for such a musical nation we can't clap in time remarkable and I often look at the band and say isn't it there they are and we, 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 we try to mi- mim- mimic the audience clap to see if we can get how out of time they are and every now and again they're in time they go, huh? We have a musical ear tonight. 200 musical ears. Um, but the Coldplay audience not far behind them. Yeah, no, that's that's not really in time. Okay. Eh, yeah,
0: everyone's a critic. Meanwhile, the hilarious launch of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' presidential campaign continues to, well, not go very well. So Ron DeSantis was on Newsmax,
4: uh, Crazy Horse Channel on um, America, and... Uh, he, he was midway through the interview, and the screen f- froze for about thirty seconds. Now he's not—he's not having a great launch. That seems to be the case. However, I would urge caution uh, that in the sense that he's—he's—he's he's, he's quite slick, and I think if he can just get through that opening salvo, he might be a person of interest. If not in this. Cycle, certainly the next one, but we'll be watching it. It, it is, I was watching bits and pieces of it last night. It, it doesn't get, it's not boring. His wife, the first lady, a very beautiful uh, first lady Kay, uh, of Florida, Casey DeSantis. Casey's her middle name. She was born Jill. Jill Casey. Sounds Irish, but she's claiming her Italian heritage, I think, more than anything else. Uh, she's been touted as a secret weapon because Donald Trump thinks Don, uh, Ron DeSantis needs a personality transplant. And he said, uh, but they can't get can't get them yet. Uh, but they're saying the 42-year-old wife is the one to watch. Born in 1980, as you can appreciate. Um, has Italian heritage on her mother's side. Bachelor of Science in Economics. A minor in French. Keen horsewoman. Three-time National Equestrian champion. News anchor at one point. Uh, the, uh, golfer. Met at a driving range. Weirdly, for a man who took on Disney, uh, Disney as a company, they got married in Disney World. Do you know that? And because he was a naval officer, he wore the full Tom Cruise whites, and she loved that. and they all love that. They have three children. Madison is five. Mason is four, and Mamie is two. So there's M and M and M, the three Ms. And she recovered from breast cancer. She's cancer-free. Um, so she seems pretty remarkable. Um, and also in American politics, Diane Feinstein is 89 years old. She's in the Californian Senator. Not well. Uh, after a case of shingles, I was talking to somebody who had shingles recently, and it sounds horrible, really, really rough a uh, thing to get. And uh, suddenly, I don't know why, maybe it's because I was talking to him that I suddenly became conscious of of, of shingles when uh, in reading articles and talking to people. But uh, anyway, Fe- uh, Senator Feinstein has this, and it's it's, it's not great. And um, they're suggesting Oprah Winfrey might have a go, have a go at uh, politics. I think she'd be an excellent politician, to be honest with you. Why not? Um, and the fella who's the head of engineering at Twitter, weirdly, one day after the DeSantis debacle, uh, has uh, said, after almost four incredible years of Twitter, I decided to leave. So he's gone. I don't know if it's
0: connected to what happened, but he's gone. Given the delightfully tolerant way Elon behaves towards his underlings, I'd say it's just pure coincidence. Back on Tol Sod, some educators are taking steps to ensure primary school children don't have access to the hellscape that is social media.
4: Uh, Carla Bryan writing in the Irish Times, parents associations across all eight primary schools in Greystones. County Wicklow, this is smart. They've agreed a no smartphone voluntary code until children start secondary school. Look, that if you're a teacher or pu- uh, uh, principal or parent um, who is concerned about phones and primary school, get busy looking up this article because this is about a move that follows con- rising concern about uh, among teachers and parents over anxiety levels among pupils and early exposure to adult material online. Um, and this is remember we mentioned the surgeon general in the state saying that this is a p- serious problem. The phones and social media is causing to, to uh, young people's well being. But well done, Rachel Harper, who I've had the pleasure to meet a few times with um, Aubrey uh, McCarthy and, and Tiglin. Uh, she she has led this initiative. It's called "It Takes a Village." She's the principal of St Patrick's National School, and they're trying to build a community of services to assist children, families, and teachers in need of help with issues around anxiety. And children, childhood, she says, seems to get shorter and shorter. Well said. And we feel a lot of children are not emotionally ready to manoeuvre a smart device. This is wise wise words. And she said the uh, school principals were not anti-smartphones or technology and planned to organise expert-led talks for children in sixth class to prefer, prepare them for the possibility of owning a phone at second level. Well, that is really smart uh, and great approach to it. So good luck to, with that, Rachel, and everyone involved. And I'm glad it's been taking Taken up
0: by people Ah, people Always there to be relied upon Let's end this edition Of the Musings on the News Or Newsings, if you will With a special treat Ryan, always ready To get down with the kids Reading the artists That appear on the soundtrack Of the upcoming Barbie movie Greta Gerwig uh, Directing
4: it uh, But they announced The soundtrack It's going to feature Dua Lipa um, And a whole heap of names That if I say them I'll just sound ridiculous So uh, I won't I could list them if you want me to, because I know Siobhan would get a great kick out of me trying to say the names of people that she listens to on her drive home on a given day. OK, the album will feature. And you have to nod and say if I get it right or wrong. So, or thumbs up or down, like the Emperor Caesar. Ava Max. Yeah, we're good. Charlie XCX. Yes. Yeah, we're going to take that. Dominic Fike. Yeah. It's like, it's like I'm listing the the candidates for a local election in, in Ballyparine. Um... 50-50. Yeah? Are we, we going to go with that? Uh, Gail. Stands alone. You'll be blown away by her. <laughs> uh, Kali. K-A-L-I. Uh, Carol G. Oh, K-K-Oh, there's no D at the end of it, though. Just Kali on this. Uh, Carol G. That's Carol with a K. Uh, Khalid is also there. Sorry, but in a different... There's obviously a Kali and a Khalid. are okay. And Lizzo. Okay, we did all right. Oh, no, there's more. Nicki Minaj. Pink Pantheress. Uh, tame Impala Tammy Impala Tame, tame Impala, tame Impala. Uh, a kid, I see the way it faded out Because I didn't know What to, how to get it right The Kid Leroy Okay And more Well <laughs> <laughs> No but there's no
0: It says and more I'm not just trying to get Fantastic Should be preserved for posterity Surely Here endeth the slot The Women's World Cup kicks off in Australia in July and today with Claire Byrne reporter Evelyn O'Rourke visited the childhood clubs of two of the stars of Ireland's national team to see how the girls playing there now are inspired by the success of the women who'll be gunning for glory in Australia in less than two months. And you started, Evelyn, with the home club of the captain, Katie
1: McCabe at Temple Oak United.
5: Yes, now I started there. Now, when you look back at it, we have to say she started first at her very local club in Kilnamana and Crumlin United when she was really, really young. And then she played with the boys' youth teams. And then her first girls' team, age 10, was at Temple Oak United. So I wanted to go and meet the new Katie McCabe's and hear about the players there and what she means to them. And Katie's Ireland's captain, she's had an extraordinary career. You know, she's a professional footballer, obviously. She plays for Arsenal midfield. She will be leading the Irish women's team out in their opening game against the hosts Australia Big Day. So she herself has talked about her roots, how she had to play with her brother and the boys' teams and that she didn't even know that women could play football when she was really young. That's all changed now. Thanks to players like hers you'll hear now. And these are some of the under-14s at Temple United who are huge fans of hers. Who's the famous star from Temple Oak United? I know. Katie McCabe. And how exciting is it that she went to this club? She's our idol. She's really good. We can look up to her. Very good role model for a club. And why do you play football? Because, like, boys think they're so good and that they have more physical, but we're more skillful and we're just genuinely better. (laughs) People think that girls can't play football, but they can. I play football because I like it. Fidelma, why football for you? Like, is this your main sport or do you play loads of sports? I play a couple of sports, but football is my main sport. Do you play in a team and, like, you feel connected to everybody on your team. Now, one of the main stars of the show is Katie McCabe and she started where? Temple Oak. Does that mean a lot to you? Yeah, I've seen a couple of her matches and she's really good. Why is she good? What does she do with the ball? She's great at, like, getting the strikers into good positions and great passes. She's a really good player, yeah. Who's the star of Temple Oak Unite? You know? Katie McCabe. She's my idol. Why? Well, I always go to her matches. She's just so good. And I got her signed autograph. And was she nice to you about it? Yeah, very nice. And what do you learn from seeing her play? skills very good leader and why do you play football because it's fun I want to prove boys wrong that why well, you can play it as well as they can or even better
1: yeah she means a lot to me she's a good captain and she's a good leader and she knows how to carry her team and make sure they're all in the places So,
5: will you watch the World Cup
1: yes I will Yeah, I want to see all their skills and I want to see how they work together as a team
5: and is it important to you that Katie's <laughs> from this club that she wore that shirt
1: yeah it is because she's representing the club now as well so kids can look up to her. When she was our age, she was playing here and maybe we could follow her footsteps one day. I enjoy playing football because I enjoy coming up to training and being with my friends and having a good time. We're a really
5: good team and we work well together.
6: It means a lot to me because since she played for this club, it shows us that we can get far as well. Start out small and then come as big as her. I just like the people that I train with. This is the team I love. Oh, that's so cute. Making the <laughs>
1: You give me tear up. (laughs) You went then over to Blessington Football Club. That's the home club for player Louise Quinn, another big
5: name on the Ireland women's team. So who did you meet there? Ever? Oh this was great fun I went out on Wednesday evening to meet the under 12s team and they're so excited about their connection with Louise. Because they had this really special event a few weeks ago. They unveiled a wonderful mural, a picture of Louise right which is right on the front wall of the club so they are you know, so proud about their connection with her. And again I was told that Louise had to play with the boys when she first started age 7 and 8. She played with the boys team until 12 when you aren't allowed anymore and then she moved on. Again Louise has been playing magnificently, professionally for years since she graduated from UCD she's a key part of the Birmingham squad now but here I started with Vinny he was Louise's first coach when she was seven years old and she and Vinny's son Derek started training together Vinny when I looked up (laughs) Louise Quinn it said she started playing football with her friend Derek whose dad offered to coach and here's the dad what age was she?
7: when she started playing with Blessington she was eight but she had done a bit of training maybe the year before that when she was six, seven. But I knew her from the time she started school, four and a half or five. She went to school with my son Derek, junior infants up. Being the athlete that she was, great sporty person. She loved football as it was every day, lunch break, whatever they had, they were out kicking the ball. So she would come down to our house after school. She'd walk down with Derek, out they go onto the green.
5: So when you were coaching, were there many girls playing?
7: No. Louise was the first to start. There were no girls' teams. As far as I know, Louise was the very first girl to actually wear the green shirt of Blessington
5: the athleticism was there from incredible. the start could you yeah. see that oh, in yeah.
7: her she was a great athlete sprinter you know she was really fast I could see determination obviously she had skill she had a huge will to win even if it wasn't just winning the match she wanted to win her battle with whoever she was played against at
5: that young age Yes, yeah,
7: absolutely incredible <laughs> She really well. it's easy to say that but it's noticeable now when you see her obviously she's developed into this magnificent athlete now but it started off at a very young age believe me was
5: it her height <laughs> was it the speed no, for no, somebody tall
7: uh, genuinely it wasn't because because at seven or eight she was certainly average size she wasn't really muscular either she was quite thin and wiry and she loved to get in and tackle you know particularly against the lads <laughs> they'd run away some of them
5: so you'd be on the sideline laughing yeah, to yourself because yeah. you'd know they've underestimated Absolutely. her totally
7: yeah you'd laugh even before the match you'd see the manager smirking maybe you knew the they we're going to get a rude awakening Yeah,
5: I mean you must have enjoyed watching her journey love, it must give you such her.
7: pleasure absolutely it, it, it's incredible really but it's great I mean it just shows you in a small community what you can do Blessington is very lucky to have Louise as a sporting ambassador it was just beautiful you Started were her first the
8: coach really I was
7: yeah yeah. I was lucky to be her coach because he didn't, she didn't need a lot of coaching to be honest you'll be shouting at the TV I'll be shouting at the TV the whole country will
1: the mm-hmm. whole country will that's the truth of it now the team you met at training there they're under 12s, and they're all really enjoying their their football but what do they have to say about it all?
5: Oh just like that gang in Temple Oak United you know they just talk about joy Claire, the joy, the joy they get from playing they love showing the boys they kept saying that, that they're just as good as them if not better the competitive edge is there they love building on their skills and that is why Katie and Louise and the rest of the team is so so important to them so here we start with JP who's their coach he introduces me to the girls and they tell me more about their football
6: training Okay, girls, let's get our warm-up done. In twos, straight out. Cara, take them out nice and slow. Lots of movement. Get the irons going. Get them. Put to the halfway line and back. So get the blood going.
5: JP, telling me exactly where we are now and who's training here.
6: Well, we're up in Blessington Football Club today. Training. We have the under-12 girls.
5: Now, the big thing about Louise Quinn is, but she played with boys. Because this is really a growing sport. That's right. There was no
6: girls team in Blessington Football Club when Louise was here, so these girls that are here with us today, they're the first girls team to come out of the academy. I've had them since they were five and six. Ah,
5: you're kidding me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have
6: 18 girls now on my team.
5: Louise is, what, 30, 32 now, right? Yeah. She was on her own. Look That's at right. the growth in that time. Yeah,
6: absolutely. and It's needed in club. The GAA have lots of girls teams, so it's nice to see you now the soccer club are starting to get more of the girls teams.
5: So how many girls teams do you have now in Blessington?
6: We've, so we have two girls teams and we girls in the academy now so we'll have another team coming out of the academy hopefully in the future we can get more girls teams in the club you talked to any of the girls in their team and it's all Louise Quinn this Louise Quinn that and we're down in Tallah we're supporting the Irish team and screaming at Louise and after every game she'll be coming over to them so like the influence is unreal with their girls you know when they see Louise and the career she's had there's influence there it can travel the world playing football you know and it's it's, it's brilliant to see
5: OK, you're going to bring me over to introduce yeah. me. They're hard at work here doing their trainings. Passing and moving. Go on, pass to me, pass to me. Go on, go on, go on. I'm Kayleen and I'm 10. I'm Penny and I'm 10. I'm Owen and I'm 10. I'm Holly and I'm 11. I'm Karen and I'm 11. I just like football because I think it's fun and then it's also like, I like the competitive side of it. The same as my friend Holly, competitive side, and for my dad, following his path. What position do you like to play in?
1: <laughs> Goalie and right mid. Why do you
5: love playing your football?
1: Because my brother played it and I wanted because he was really good.
5: Opposition, do you play in? Right mid. Run up the fields, basically. Well, I love playing soccer because it's really fun and it's great exercise. And did you know the rules? Were they playing it at home or was it something new for you?
3: Um, it was kind of new, but my dad was the manager of my brother's team, so he kind of taught me.
0: The Under-12s girls football team at Blessington FC from Evelyn O'Rourke's report. And this morning's Today with Claire Byrne. Drahada United player Ben Curtis announced on his Instagram two weeks ago that he was stepping away from football. Colm O'Mungon on this afternoon's live line asked the 19 year old why he made his decision.
9: It was a mental health issue. I've, I've, I've had really bad mental health the last three years um, and I sort of just built the courage up um, over the last few weeks to, to talk out about it and make that big decision to sort of step away from football.
10: And when you say it was a mental health issue, what kind of things were you experiencing in your body leading up to you making like, mm-hmm. this decision? Was it, you know, turning over your stomach? Were you anxious? Were you just not able to get out of bed? What what was it that made you realise yeah. that this it was time to just call it quits?
9: Yeah, it was. It was, it was a series of things. Like, as you, as you mentioned there, There was, you get turns in your stomach. There was a lot of times I, I would wake up and, I mentioned it felt like I was just being held into, into my room I couldn't leave my room I, I didn't want to go out and even interact with my family a lot of the time and, and I knew it, I needed to change and, and speak up about it
10: And when did you decide that ultimately the thing that had been a huge consuming passion for an awful lot of your life yeah. was the something that was actually driving this anxiety and yeah. having this effect on your mental health?
9: Yeah. Well yeah, it started three years ago. Um when I when I first signed my professional contract at sixteen, um I, I knew uh, well there and then that it was something that I, I didn't want to do. Um but, you know, I felt a lot of pressure on my shoulders. Um we had five kids in the family, I'm the oldest of five and I just sort of wanted to be a good example for for the younger ones and for them to look up to me, but um I thought if I sort of stepped away from it and you know, didn't I didn't want to look ungrateful for having that opportunity at 16. Obviously, to sign a contract. So I just I didn't really have any courage at all to speak up about it because I didn't want to feel weak and show any signs of weakness to them.
10: Sure, because you know, not signing a contract. I'm sure you probably realised there were other people you'd come up playing underage with all along who yeah. weren't going to get that opportunity. So, exactly. yeah. Was it difficult in signing that contract? Is that the kind of thing you were balancing in your head?
9: Yeah, exactly. Like I think for me what I sort of felt like was I think if if everyone was looking in and you're seeing like you know oh, Ben's after being offered a professional contract at 16 it's you know you'd think he, he'd have the world in his hands and obviously there's so many kids out there that would have loved to have been in my shoes at that time but I, I sort of knew it wasn't for me and I think if I didn't sign I would have felt you know like I was looking a bit greedy or you know why I wasn't taking that opportunity um, and when as I said so many other kids in my position would have loved to have been there but um yeah, I, I knew at the time when I was signing it. At that, even at that age, them three years ago, I, I, it wasn't something that I wanted to pursue at all.
10: And what got you across the line with signing it? Was it just that fear, and I suppose that negative sense, or day to day, did the pleasure other people took in your sport give you enough of a short term boost to keep you going playing?
9: Yeah, um, I think a big one definitely, and you know, I have to be honest, where it was my dad. Like he, he's a massive into football, and I think at heart he. He always wants what's best for us. Um, obviously, I'm his oldest son, and I could see how happy it made him knowing that I had that offer there to sign that contract. And I, I, I felt like I just, if I didn't sign, it, I would have really let him down. And um, so that played a big part on me, sort of making that decision just to sign it and just, you know, try give it a go. But I knew, as I said, I knew there and then that it wasn't something I wasn't. Sometimes going to pursue. And after that, I sort of went up to training every day, really not wanting to go at all. Like.
10: And did you spend a lot of time, when you were first thinking about three years ago of maybe yeah. giving up, did you spend a lot of time imagining what your dad would say if you took this decision?
9: Yeah, I did. Um, I think obviously the mental health took a part in that as well. I think I put a lot of scenarios into my head, like even I'm sitting in my room by myself um, I could feel the thoughts coming up of sort of trying to say something when they were coming up. I'd get a flash in my head on what sort of decision that he would make. Like maybe he won't talk to me anymore. Maybe he'll lose respect for me. Maybe he won't even see me as a son. That, they're the thoughts, honestly, that were going through in my head at the time. If I you know, if I didn't take that decision on signing the contract and even trying to speak up and say, look, I don't want to do it anymore. And um, But as I sort of grew older... Um, you know, we sort of used the phrase like it's, it's okay to sort of disappoint others but never disappoint yourself. I think that was a main one for me that got into my head and really sort of pushed me to, you know, as as I, as I said, I got older to sort of come out and just say what I need to say.
10: And obviously, you know, overall that time playing underage soccer, a lot of the time that you would have spent with your dad, whether it was talking yeah. about football or travelling and car journeys together, that's kind of the venue for your relationship with him. So was exactly. it hard to imagine life Without that space and that dynamic,
9: exactly. Yeah, it was as you said. It was a lot of our relationship just would have actually just been football. It would have been the car journeys to away games. It would have been watching games at home together. It would have been him dropping me off to a match, him collecting me from a match, bringing me to train. And so it was. It was. It was very hard to imagine myself not playing football and having still having that sort of nice relationship with him. I, I really didn't think it was going to be the same. But, you know, since coming out and speaking up about it, I have to say, he's been absolutely amazing. Like, the support that he showed me and, you know, sort of saying, like, look, I'm, you're my son first before any footballer. Like, and that was really nice to hear. Like, do you know what I mean?
10: And do you think he was taken aback by how long you'd been thinking about this and why you were reluctant to tell him?
9: Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, you know, him and my man were the same. Once I sort of came out, it was... I think the both of them nearly felt, like, guilt and not knowing, like, could they have done anything better or why they didn't ask me much about it. But, as I said, look, mental health is one of them things where, you know, you really you really don't see it in people. Like, people put on these brave faces all the time, um, you know, and I did that. I, I didn't show any sort of emotion or nothing like that, so they, they wouldn't have had any idea. But I think they sort of did feel guilty um, and stuff, which I really didn't want them to feel at all. But... Um, no, they've been they've been amazing since obviously coming out and saying what I need to say.
0: Ben Curtis telling Colm Mungoin on this afternoon's live line why he had to step away from his professional football career. For the day of his last Late Late Show, Ryan Tuberty decided not to have any guests on his radio show. Instead, chatting to the listeners who called in for a competition. Here's Grania.
8: I'm in a great form today, I'm so excited to be speaking to you, I can't believe it. Um, I'm sitting here working from home, looking out the window and it's beautiful out, so you're very lucky that you've got a wonderful day ahead of you.
4: Oh, and and what are you working at?
8: I'm a business analyst.
4: What the hell does that mean?
8: Don't ask me, because you can ask five different business analysts and they'll all do different things. Amazing.
4: uh, (laughs) is You've you've got this nebulous, I'm a business (laughs) analyst. Time's important, but having a monkey is what you do. He, you you you, you, anal- you analyse businesses, do you? I've analysed business I analyze business
8: requirements.
4: Knew it. I <laughs> I knew. It. And you are not ju- very exciting. Are you working from home all the time or what's happening?
8: I'm fully remote. Since COVID, I'm fully remote, yeah. So it gets a bit boring. However, I get to look out at a beautiful park in front of me and it's so wonderful out today. Everything is so green. I'm very lucky.
4: Do you miss the cut and thrust of working with human beings and having the crack?
8: I I miss it so much, but I call my colleagues on a daily basis, so I do have a good chat with them. Um, So I do miss that part of it, but look, it is what it is. I get to spend more time with the kids.
4: And how how many kids have you got? How old are they?
8: I have two children. Sebastian is 10 and Matilda is 5. (laughs)
4: <laughs> Great names I must say <laughs> I have to say Sebastian and
8: Matilda
4: Freaking Gronia had revisited Now tell me um, Who's with you today?
8: So my partner Timoni is with me So he works from home on a Thursday and a Friday as well So the boats are here And we, we tend to treat ourselves on a Friday morning to a, a croissant So oh. we're looking for that forward to that at 11 o'clock
4: What's, uh, what's he up to? What's his gig?
8: Now, you're going to ask me, and he's, he's in the other room, and I'm supposed to know what this is. I think he's a, a, an assistant revenue distribution executive.
4: Sorry, have you oh. met him before? <laughs>
8: <laughs> his, his job title just recently changed, so please don't hold that against me.
4: Yeah, you guys should sit down and talk a little. Uh, and right? make, You know, shake hands and say, introduce you. Well, I didn't get his name, by the way. What?
8: So his name is Simone. He's Italian.
4: Oh, amazing. So you yeah. are working from home uh, on Thursdays and Friday with your Italian partner.
8: Yes, exactly. Get much work done? Looking. Uh, we do. Well, I have to say he's, he's more of a head down than me. I like to have a bit of a chat but he likes to just tell me to get lost and get on, get on with his work.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, Sebastian and Matilda are at school so that house is free.
8: Yes. And yes, they're you, at school, so a big shout out to them for later on when they, they might be sure. able to hear this.
4: tell them I said hi. And and I'm so happy that you got in touch with us on, on, on this lovely Friday morning.
8: Um, like I'm, I can't even tell you how excited I am. And especially to be talking to you on your last late, late Show tonight, which I was speaking to your researcher and I said, you probably won't be crying because I don't think you're a bit of a crier, but I'm the biggest crier ever, so I'll be emotional for you.
4: Well, that is really... I mean, given that we don't <laughs> know each other, I find that really lovely. And, you know, you're funny, you should say I'm not really crying. I, 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 I always say something happened in my eyes sometimes. Like, <laughs> this, I, my eyes are stinging. I don't know what it is. I come from probably a vintage of, of men uh, that don't cry much, but when I do it's it's pretty intense and i try i, I think tonight will be a battle because i i have to wear really? this this mask uh, all the time because if if i if it's i let difficult. it all out yeah if you, you it know, is difficult it is because you you meet people with these stories and and you know, you want to. Of course, you want to. Now, when the interview finishes, we'll hug and do stuff. But I don't want to be over the top on air and, and things like that. So you just want to let them shine and tell their story. So, but you make a good point. I think tonight will be will be full on. And I'm, but I'm so happy that you're here because I'd love to, I'd love to feed you <laughs> and your family tonight.
8: Oh, that would be absolutely wonderful because we love to eat.
4: Good. What would you order from for a takeout tonight? Now,
0: if you were to So win?
8: okay. So, because uh, I have an Italian here beside me, yeah. we don't take, we tend not to get Italian food. And Friday night is actually our pizza night, so we do homemade pizzas on a Friday night. However, okay. however, if we won these, uh, our, our takeaway of choice is actually Indian. Uh,
4: uh, yeah, go on, more detail, please.
8: So, I mean, I don't know what more detail you want. I mean, everything is just amazing from an Indian. So you got we chicken? We have a particular favourite. Uh, no, we stick to vegetarian, actually.
4: Okay, even better. So, give me uh, one dish before I.
8: We do love sag paneer.
4: That'll do me so that's fine.
8: spinach and paneer. So you know paneer is college, Indian cottage cheese, which is absolutely delicious. I'd highly recommend it.
4: Well, listen, I, obviously I'm not going to eat that, but I wish you well and I hope it's <laughs> delicious for you and you enjoy it all. No, I, ju- I just, I, I'm going to try everything now that I'm, I'm, I'm out the door here. Okay, now, Gráinne, Uh yes. I need you to do something for me. which is pick a letter uh, between the word, the letters F, O, O or D.
8: So was the first one F for
4: sugar? No, it's actually F for for God's sake. We'll go
8: for for God's sake then. Oh,
4: excellent! F is a great choice. (laughs) What cheese, beginning with F, is the chief ingredient of a Greek salad? Feta. I thought you'd know this. Okay, here is a clip. Uh, Brad Pitt's character, Tyler, explaining some of the rules of this 1999 movie, beginning with
0: F.
9: Fourth rule, only two guys to fight. Fifth rule. One fight at a time, fellas. (laughs) Sixth rule. No shirts, no
7: shoes. Seventh rule. Fights will go on as long as they have to.
4: Any idea of the name?
8: So that Simone's favourite film, so it's Fight Club.
4: Wow, Simone. (laughs) We need to get in psychoanalysis on Simone and find out why that's his favourite film. But that's for another day. Exactly. The Beatles were often known as the Fab. Four. Yes. Uh, Helsinki is the capital of this country, beginning with F. Finland. No bother to you. Uh, can you name the television show? This was the theme. tune. shout if you know it. I'll be there for friends. Yes, you said friends and that is the correct answer which means you've got five from five and have just won yourself a €100 euro voucher to get. Oh my God! A so gazillion vegetarian dishes from your local <laughs> Indian restaurant. Oh uh, my
8: God, I'm absolutely over the moon. Thank you so much
4: for that. Hey, Grania, lovely talking to you. You have a lovely vibe and uh, to you and to Seb and to Matilda and Simone, uh, have a great day.
8: And uh, look, before you go, the very best of luck tonight and I'm so excited for you and that you made this decision because I'm very envious that you were able to just make that decision and I think it's the best thing you could have done for yourself. Will so you well do, done. And the best of luck.
4: But tell me you're going to keep listening to us here on the radio as a loyal...
8: Uh, I, it's my favourite show every morning. I get all of my book recommendations from you and literally read every book recommendation. So <sighs> thank you for that.
0: Gron, you're my favourite. <laughs> uh, have a great day, Gron. Lovely talking to you. That was Gráinne winning herself a €100 Euro food voucher in the fiendishly difficult quiz on this morning's Ryan Tubridy Show. One of the traditional summer meltdowns we like to have here in little old Ireland is the fuss when it comes to sea swimming and the deadly menace of jellyfish. This morning, Claire Byrne spoke to documentary maker and underwater cameraman Ken O'Sullivan in hopes that he would allay our fears. Are they dangerous, these guys?
2: Ah, come here, don't worry for a second. Get in and enjoy our beautiful seas in Ireland. Uh, Not a thing, not a thing. Look, um, yeah, I mean, so barrel jellyfish, uh, I think it's a report with Lorna Siggins and Tom Doyle that have been washing up in the last few months on the uh, south coast, predominantly, I think, in Ireland. No, they're harmless. They're actually, they're our largest um, jellyfish that we see in Irish waters, in around about 30, 40 centimetres a foot, but they can sometimes grow vigorous, you know, occasionally they live through winter and then they continue to grow. But um, look, I know I'm biased. I love jellyfish. I think they're beautiful, elemental creatures. Yeah, you see, what, no, do you know virus. what I'm,
1: Ken, what I'm worried about is you're harmless and my harmless might be different.
2: Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, I swim most days, uh, like a lot of people now, and. Last summer I was getting a lot of kind of, um, had a lot of conversations with swimmers that were worried about jellyfish. So I put a video up on my Instagram and there's about seven species in Ireland, right? And almost all of them, you know, five of them certainly, this, they either don't sting or their stings are so mild. It's like a kind of a mild nettle sting. So the two to be worried about are the Portuguese Men-O-War, um, which you'll always see because they have this air sac, which they use as a you sail. Now, they were only first seen in Ireland about four years ago perhaps um, and they're very rare the more common one that will sting you is the um, <clears throat> lion's mane jellyfish now usually that's kind of east and southeast coast so the last few years we've seen them on the west coast but look you know talk to your lifeguards you know if you're going to a beach they'll be getting reports just just keep a lookout for them um you know i i almost never get stung i think a lot of it is clear is like you know, if a wasp flies around you, what do you do? Do you close your eyes and flail your arms or <laughs> do you sit still and gently move away? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm chasing after these creatures, trying to film them. And I suppose I just kind of... If you just look at them and take your time, then your chances of being stung are much less.
1: Just ignore them.
2: Yeah, yeah, to a degree. Now, there was great research done, by the way, by Dr. Tom Doyle in... University of Gaul a few years ago, but what to do if you do get stung? And, and they found actually that vinegar was probably the best thing that you can do. So if it's uh, particularly light, just spray some vinegar on it. Try not to touch it because they have these little uh, satanophores, they're called, um, and that if you touch them, it's an involuntary action by the jelly. It fires these little harpoons with toxins into you. So put some, um, jelly, uh, so some vinegar on first and then after a while, water as hot as you can tolerate it. I always bring a bottle of vinegar and a heat pack in the car, but, you know, I've had it there three or four years. I've never had to use it. So
1: you you don't touch the sting because that can cause more pain and you pour the vinegar over and then the heat.
2: And then the heat, that's right, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
1: What about weeing on them, Ken?
2: No, it's not true. It's not true. I've seen people do it. Actually, it's a a, a wonderful thing to watch. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't work. No, that's been disproved. Yeah, that's been disproved. But um, going back to the one, yeah, go on. The interesting thing about barrel jellies is that um, so scientists tell me that they don't want to say jellyfish numbers are increasing because the methodology that they use for research in the 1970s and 80s is so different to what they do now. So they can't stand over it. But anecdotally, they will tell you and anyone in the sea that we are at times seeing increasing jellyfish numbers. But one of the things that the barrel jellies, sometimes they get these juvenile fish that take shelter inside in their barrel and they swim around with them because they get kind of um, protection and then they, they eat little bits of food that are trapped in the jellyfish's legs and tentacles. And some scientists did some research a few years ago that showed that the increase in jellyfish numbers is consequently causing an increase in fish numbers. Because if you think half a dozen juvenile fish in every barrel of jelly and maybe half a million barrel jellies in the North Atlantic uh, you know, it's a kind of a, an odd reverse thing that the decline in the jellyfish predators like turtles and leatherback turtles has led to an increase probably in jellyfish numbers which uh, perversely is probably helping fish stocks.
1: Because they're providing a little home for the for the yeah. smaller exactly.
2: fish. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're actually in our our, our, our last program of our series on Sunday evening we, we, we do the a barrel jellyfish and other jellyfish in Irish waters but you'll feel the little fish sheltering inside in their tentacles in, in their barrels
0: Documentary maker and underwater cameraman Ken O'Sullivan telling Claire Byrne and us that we don't need to fear the barrel jellyfish that are floating ominously in our direction Also, if you do get stung there's no weeing on the wound required unless, you know you like that sort of thing Wicklow's favourite comedian, Dara O'Brien, spoke to Ray Darcy this afternoon about Time Wasters, his new podcast, and also about those late, late show rumours. This sounds
11: like the beginning of a joke but you have a new podcast. <laughs> I do I do have a new podcast. Yes, yes. I do. Uh,
3: it's on Audible and it's a, essentially a panel show it's called Time Wasters. Right. The uh, and it is about basically we get with it's uh, me and a couple of comedians most of the time the uh, and we go through what are the things that you have wasted most time on in either small chunks of time, mm-hmm. um medium chunks of time or like months and years of your life. Right, okay. Yeah. And the joy of it is because we do that, like, I mean, obviously comedians are able to tell you a million things that they find irritating. That's kind of what we do uh, about like, oh, this little thing, I, I why do I do this? Why do I have this terrible habit? But we found that once you say to them, what have you wasted years on? Suddenly, it gets a lot more reflective, um, and I, you're there going, "Oh my God!" somebody will go, "Well, you know, my relationship, you know, broke up, and I, and I, and I, I say I did not take another. I didn't get another relationship. I yes. thought they knew it. and you go, "Oh, I wasn't expecting this. Okay, this is a good, this is a dramatic change in tone." So, People so, who so it starts off with, with, with
11: little irritants like you know, yeah, exactly. I know bank yeah. apps or something like that, and, and exactly.
3: Then it, oh, why do I spend why do I spend so much time on Twitter? Why do I spend yes. so much time on you know, do yeah. whatever? These these yes. kind of things this is ridiculous. And um, why do I spend so much time stopping movies I'm watching in order to find out the name of the actor in the scene that I'm seeing whose right, name that's, I can't that's remember. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, that, that kind of stuff. Like is, it, yeah. is that your, that that,
11: your time-wasting? No, no, no. no. no,
3: the no. Escado, no. no. I, I don't. I, I, none of my time is wasted, right? None? is part of the rich tapestry. The rich tapestry <laughs> of life at all.
11: It's a
0: well-reversed it well answer, but,
3: but not great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll come up with something for the rest of the press run.
11: I was thinking today, like, this is a thing I left over from my youth, but like, I, I put on, I was coming into work today. It's a really nice day here in Dublin. Uh, short sleeves for the first time coming into the office and I thought I better match them up with runners right and have these bright, bright blue runners that I only wear on holidays and I I, I put them on but I knew I wasn't going to wear them into the office they were just too you know they were too noticeable yeah, you know? yeah and absolutely. that was a waste of time I knew I knew before I tried them on and looked in the <laughs> mirror that I wasn't going to wear them <laughs> and I do that constantly you know you, you what what do you think's going to happen you're going to look different one day you're suddenly going to look different it's all going to match Be, it's all going to work
3: I, I, Probably the most important time is the pause I spend when I say to my wife, what should I wear? She's like, goes, in 20 years, I have never, I've never suggested what coat or jacket you should wear. Stop asking me what (laughs) coat should I wear? What jacket should I wear? We just, we'll just buy a number of jackets of different tog and just wear the one. In terms of the... Is that you know, you? Spend, So you have uniform a uniform nearly, do you? Do you have a uniform? No, I'm not, not quite, but I should, because I do go oh, out of the door going, oh, is this going to be good? Or am I going to, am going to regret not having it? Or will I regret having it? Yeah. Uh, and I spend a lot of time doing that. I spend yeah. a lot of time just weighing up the, is it, can this jacket be wrapped around my waist if it becomes if it becomes too warm? Or will I be, well I feel like, oh, the, the sharp tug of the cold if I don't wear it? Yeah, I do that a lot, but yeah.
11: no I'm surprised that you haven't had a podcast before this, Darren but you've been on numerous but, but you just yes of course yeah
3: yeah yeah, yeah. And well, why, why, why it, now I mean, why now well interesting because I think the uh, this is much more like doing a panel show it's much more like a you know uh, a format that we're doing so it feels a bit more like what well, um, you know mock the week yeah yeah but whereas any of the other ones where you go right well here's a passion I want to talk about I watched all that, that whole world explode and go, Jesus, if I had 200 of them already in the can, it would feel like I could now step into this world. But I feel like it might be, you know, there's so many of these ones where people go, well, I've done, I've interviewed a million people about what their favourite, yes. you know, yeah. things like is or what they're, you know, and of the five things they would bring with them to, and you kind of go, oh my God, I can't enter this market now of all things. So this is a, this is a slightly different thing where it's a, it's a, uh, it's a very much a format show. So right. it's like a piece of rather than the long interviews,
11: which brings us nicely on to mock the week, which which was rested, I suppose. God rested, soul. yeah. Rest was it, it actually yeah. or
3: rested or, or it was always oh, it, it was canned? It, it was canned, canned because right. they, ran, they ran out of money. They, yeah, they, okay. I know they ran out of money, but they were not in a uh, in a shiny floor studio show kind of uh, world anymore. So they they wanted to put it into drama, and it's TV right. slightly different now. And they just have less money, so they so it went. Interestingly, we've not even got to the bit where we will be doing another one, yes from when they now did the last one so, so we'd only be doing another Mock Week next month Oh, right. do it. Okay. so I've actually had no sense of you know no sense loss. of loss, loss, yeah. loss at all <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it has got me gigging all the time so. so it's not really been a thing so, but the, yeah. the
11: streamers are making shiny floor things aren't they and uh, 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 is there an American version of it and where did it originate who who owns well the... there is
3: oh the American version of Mock Week yeah it's the same producers who are doing right. it and it, yeah, and so they would have to do one there and the man kindly rang me the producer down rang me and said yeah we won't be and I said yeah of course you won't be using me for the American version but that's absolutely fine So, and also because people go you should bring it back and I go we said goodbye for eight weeks then we did one in Tuxedos where we did a, um, a compilation with We'll Meet Again by, by Vera Lynn right. over like a slow motion. for We can't come back. Yeah, you mentioned. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah,
3: we really, we had both hands on the teeth. I mean, we properly took every bit of emotion out of that thing. You can't then turn back. Like like neighbours turn around three months later and go, oh yeah, we're back. Remember that? that yes, yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. But the, the yeah. only thing
11: I'll say to you is that, that we live, we, it's a, obviously a, a different world and, and that maybe if the American version of Mock the Week is successful then they might
3: want to do a UK version they might look they might I and mean, they might in that context exactly in that context look if they did that they'd come to me and I'll, I'll see what the story is yes. but you know I have a kind of an element of I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to do a bad version of it I wouldn't want a cheap version of it it ended, it ended very nicely okay, so okay. nice I memories, nice memories. Okay. yeah okay. exactly Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't need to chase
11: it before we leave television your name was uh, bandied about when uh, they were talking about the replacement for Ryan Tuberty
3: Look, I'm very excited. I, I put my CV in right. and I'm just waiting for the call. So uh, I know that there'll be questions. They'll go after the panel. You disappeared for 17 years and I've got to go. I went travelling uh, and <laughs> hope that they'll go with that. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, could be my big chance. Dude. <laughs> Uh,
11: is it, is it, so, like, was there a call put in, or is no, it just no? No, 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 that, no,
3: no. I mean, years ago they asked me to do one of the, one of the chat shows years ago. But right. um, around the time, whatever transition was happening, possibly a little bit after Ryan was coming in, when the, uh, maybe Saturday Night, or yes, some of that, yeah, like, right. I, I got asked. Well, my interest was it, it was was uh, was tested that, but I have gone so far into just doing live into tours, and so for me it would be a straight of, if if I did this, that would be. Forty nights, Friday nights, I couldn't spend in theaters. Yes, and and I'm so far down that road now that I'm just I'm I I would I couldn't wouldn't give them up for the world. Like the yeah. it was I mean it was always in a Would you do forty late nights or forty Vicker Streets? And I'd absolutely never give up the forty Vicker Streets. So the uh, and that's, that's you know it. I mean yeah, maybe yeah. when maybe when I maybe there might be a point where I will do a bit more broadcasting if I get tired of the travel and everything involved. But it really felt like you got one shot at this to really go for it, and I you know went for it as much as I could.
0: Sarah O'Brien telling Ray Darcy about how he managed to swerve the Late Late Show and his new podcast, Time Wasters, this afternoon. Finally, on this edition of Playback Daily, look, what's that unfamiliar yellow orb in the sky? I'll tell you what it is. It's a barbecue alert. Time to drag the dusty, cobwebby, snail-trailed burner out of the corner of the garden and start burning stuff. Claire Byrne asked Donegal chef Brian McDermott for his top barbecue tips.
12: Once you get that barbecue out, you got to clean it because it's been lying in all year. So uh, I'm a fan of traditional barbecue, but cleaning it's important. And the best way to clean it is literally take out the wire rack and put some bread soda into hot water and get a wire brush or get one of those skewers and scrub it. Because what happens, because bread soda is alkaline, it actually breaks down the grease much better than any. Crap cleaner detergent out there let's mm-hmm. be honest uh, and that'll clean it for you rinse it off in hot water and then once you start to light it we know that Heat kills bacteria, so that will also help in that process as well.
1: OK, so we have cleaned it now and it's ready to go.
12: Yeah. Safety
1: then, let's, let's talk about that first.
12: Yeah, I think in the preparation, you know, big fan of prep, and What does that mean? It means plan what you're going to do. But guess what? With Irish weather, we don't plan because we see a good day and we go, yep, let's barbecue. Three people go in different directions looking for sausages, burger, all the crap of the day. So we're going to touch on that later. But I, I think, you know, the safety is prepare the food in your kitchen Keep it cold if it needs to be cold. Only bring it out last minute for a multiple reasons because it's it's warm outside and the food will heat up, which is where bacteria start to grow. But also keep keep washing your hands in between preparing particularly the raw food and then moving out to the cook because what happens is you tend to run in and out, don't you? In and out of the house. So I think decide what you're doing, prepare, keep chilled as long as possible, have a table at the side of your barbecue, move everything out and then say to yourself, right, what am I going to start cooking first because let's be honest the vegetables don't need cooked first the Mm -hmm. meat needs to be cooked first and just make sure logically in your head you know what you're about to do and stay with that barbecue and throughout. I
1: always live in fear of somebody getting a used marinade bowl Mm -hmm. that you had the chicken in and dipping into that because that's a recipe for
12: disaster. And it happens and if you're an invited guest and you see it happen you're like oh no I'm not having the chicken because you've just seen it happen which is why in the recipes that I've done today I talk a lot about brushing on the marinade holding a little back but making sure you brush it on not pour it because if you pour it in and it ignites in the flame tends to be oil based that is dangerous and it also creates that sort of char burnt colour on the outside and we know things like chicken with bone in them they need to get thorough cooking you know Safe Food have got great tools out there and online for cooking to 75 degrees use a thermometer if you have one if you haven't got one I would say it's one of the best investments you'll ever make for now or for Christmas dinner or roasts or anything and if you don't have one of them cut into it make sure the juices are running clear particularly in poultry
1: Mm -hmm. Chicken on the bone would you be tempted to cook that a little bit before you bring it out to the barbecue in an oven?
12: Some people do what I do is I slit the top of it it right into the bone because that speeds up the cooking it also allows the penetration of the marinade which we're using lemon, thyme, black pepper, sea salt for a chicken down into it with the oil and that will just make sure that you're going to cook it quicker but if you are going to cook it at home I say poach it put it into just some water and a bay leaf and a little bit of black pepper and just poach the like a chicken thighs or drumsticks maybe that's what you can afford at the minute and if it is they are beautiful and gorgeous you're poaching it for about 35 minutes just remember poaching's not boiling Boiling is the rolling of water. Poaching like a glass of lemonade or sparkle. Light bubbles, 35 minutes, and then let it sit there in the morning time, you know, and dry it off. Then brush on your marinade. It will keep it tender, juicy, and it'll make sure there's beautiful flavour and proper cooking.
1: Yeah, proper cooking, you see. Then you don't have to worry about that side of it when you're barbecuing. That yeah. little bit of panic is gone because it you is. know it's yeah. been... It's been cooked. Now, what do you recommend when it comes to the barbecue? You talked about three people running in all sorts of directions going for the sausages and the burgers and so on and we don't want too much food, we want the right amount.
12: No, but we do cook and overcook because we go, we see the the barbecue deals we pick up the packs, we come home, we go I've done it again, you know, I've got spiced burgers or sausages. So I say pick about two meats and no more. A couple of salads, a little bit of vegetable and potatoes. So let's say you've decided upon that. I'm going to throw into the the mix today and say, have you thought of lamb? because it's in season, most people go, oh no, not lamb, or, are you thinking lamb burgers, mince? No, I'm talking about maybe a half leg of lamb or if you can afford it, a leg of Irish lamb. Get it butterflied, what does that mean? Either get your butcher to do it or it's just opening it out so it's nice and it's even. What I tend to do is, I, I'm a big fan, barbecues need marinades. We're talking here Irish rapes, you rapes, know, rosemary from the garden if you have a little pot of rosemary, some Irish garlic, sea salt, black pepper, mint leaves and the zest of a lemon. Mix that up in a bowl, brush it to the inside of your lamb and if you start cooking the lamb and keep with it, turning it, remarinating it, it is the most succulent, gorgeous thing. And then pick up a naan bread or pick up some of those little folded flatbreads, pita pockets, that with a bit of slaw and, you know, a minted yoghurt. All of a sudden someone's going, wow, you should have seen the barbecue we tasted, you know, it's different.
1: And when you're cooking that lamb, is that low and slow?
12: Yeah, well, the thing is, if we start to cook in the process on the barbecue, you know, it's important when to add meat to a barbecue. So if, you know, now we're going to talk about gas versus charcoal, but there's always a cooler zone that you need to find in your barbecue. If it's a gas one, you'll turn it down. Start it, you know, on a higher heat to seal it. Same as if you're pan frying or in an oven, every bit of meat is about sealing it. What does that do? Seals in the goodness, the juices, and it makes sure it stays beautiful and tender. When you do that, okay, it's not burnt, it's charred, it's caramelised, it's beautiful flavour. It breaks down the fat of the lamb. Turn it over, do the same on the other side, move it to the side, and there's enough heat then that's going to start to cook that slowly through. Don't force cook it. Don't start poking it. How often do you look out the window and you see the other half going bursting it? You know, and that's like (laughs) bursting the the liffy The water will run out and everything will get dry. You know, that same's going to happen. I know. I just,
1: that scares me doing something like lamb on the barbecue. I just don't feel I could get it right because I just, what I don't like about barbecuing is I find it hard to control the temperature.
12: Yeah. And that's if you're using a traditional, authentic char barbecue that is a kettle, which is your round one where you're, you know, you're chucking in your charcoal, you're waiting two hours for it to light because people forget. Light a small amount of it in a tin bucket or some of those ready-made small barbecue and then pour that in and that will speed up the time by probably twice as fast and then wait until that charcoal has gone to two-thirds of a grey white colour. Because when it's still black and there's still a little bit of flame, that's not the time to start cooking. You want to cook it out. There's more heat at the level where it's almost burnt out. You think you've gone too far. No, two hours later, we're sitting using the barbecue for heat at 10 o'clock, aren't yeah. we? Because it's still given plenty of heat. And you prefer the charcoal, do you? I think that's barbecue and I think that's authentic. But, you know, you know, the downside to that is it can be messy. And you're right what you said. The, the heat is difficult to control. So I would try and put a half side of it where there's more charcoal and then as it cooks push it a little bit to the right hand side that's my cooler half so when I've sealed the likes of my lamb push it over there it'll continue to cook on through and if you are scared of the leg of lamb lamb steaks little lamb cutlets beautiful they're just an alternative piece of difference maybe that's with your homemade burger you know that could be your second option and rather than purchasing a processed burger takes about 20 minutes to get some minced beef fry onions get it in there salt, pepper, nutmeg, breadcrumb and egg shape them Put them into the fridge And you've got these Beautiful big Homemade burgers
0: Some great barbecue tips From Donegal chef Brian McDermott On this morning's Today with Claire Byrne You can find all of Brian's barbecue recipes On the Today with Clare Byrne webpage On rte.ie And that's all I have for you On this edition Of Playback Daily The programme was compiled Written and edited By me Nilo Sheridan Don't forget you can listen back to all the programs featured on Playback Daily on the RTE radio player. And there'll be another Playback Daily at the same time on Monday. But for me, thank you for listening and good luck.